And welcome into Heavy Hitters, everybody here on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR Kutztown, Jack Heim, Mitchell Smedley on this Wednesday evening. So glad to be with you once again, bringing you the latest and greatest in sports talk for the next two hours. Mitch is over there sipping on his chai tea latte he just got from <laughs> Starbucks. Yes, I did. The vibes are up for him. And honestly, we're ready to have a great show. A lot of talk we about. Are. We are. We are absolutely locked in. College football week four, NFL week three, uh, some MLB tidbits, Phillies with a big win today, and uh, and and more. So for all of you listening, however you may be listening, whether that is up at Starbucks, whether that's the MSU Bears Den, AM 1670, whether that's an app like TuneIn or MyTuner. Or even Radio Garden's a new one we actually added. Never knew about it. Never heard of that. I just figured out about that. Nice. Because that's just like been added. I've seen the promotional stuff Radio Garden greater so. than Longwood Gardens. <laughs> However you may be listening, thank you for spending the next uh, two hours or any fraction of such. Any capacity of time. Yeah. With me and Jack. Jack and I. I don't know. But where do you want to start off, Jack? College football? Yeah, let's go to college football first. A lot of talk about in terms of previewing week four, some marquee matchups on the slate for this weekend. So much to be excited about. A lot of top 25 matchups actually looking at it. And we're going to take a deep dive into some of those games. Not all, uh, because we do have a lot of other things to talk about and just time permits. So I took a look at it. A lot on the docket today. Yes, a lot on the docket. It's a good word. In that assessment, Mitch. Yeah. I like that. Penn State's got a whiteout this weekend. They host Iowa in yep. a that's a top twenty five matchup. Yes, I believe. it is. Penn State is I believe well, that's a night game. Twenty fourth Iowa, Penn State seven. They open not open, but as of today, fifteen point favorites. I think they're going to rock Iowa. Yeah. I think that. Uh, I mean, that's not one of the games I have down as a deep dive breakdown, just because I'm you know I was decent, but I'm not like crazy high on Iowa. And there's other games that I think are. Bigger on the national yeah. spectrum, but I like the Iowa defense. But yeah, Iowa defense is good. Iowa offense is not exactly twenty-four uh, and seven could be the score of that game, respectively. Re- really, or, could. Uh, I guess reversed. I mean, how is this on state twenty-four <laughs> and Iowa seven? I guess. It, I guess since we're talking about it, let's just do it. Sorry, I kind of it's really okay. Jumped the gun. Honestly, it's okay. I mean, we were going to talk about Penn State anyway, just because they're the you know the big team around here. I I would oh yeah say talk so, of the town for Jack. sure. It's a different year here. Have you heard the uh, Nittany Nation song? No. I'm repping Nittany Nation, no, no name on my jersey. I have not heard that song. Yeah, it's an interesting song. Maybe because I'm not a Nittany Lion fan. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, now, I'm not a Nittany Lion hater, but I'm just not a yeah, fan. Yeah, no, I credit to you. You don't really hate on the Nittany Lions that much. I don't. I mean, they have no relevant correlation to my favorite exactly. team. Exactly. So. Penn State and FSU P- really don't. Penn State can do yeah. whatever they want to do. Uh, I'll pull for them just because I know a lot of Penn State fans. So, um, yeah. I mean, I used to not like Penn State as much because I lived around so many Penn State fans and I thought a lot of them were delusional. But as I've gotten older and I've gotten to understand their pain of being Penn State fans, I mean, it, it must stink when, when you're getting dominated by one and as of the past couple of years, two schools in your own division. It's brutal. So I it's hope brutal. you can overcome those obstacles this season and persevere. I think that is a possibility. When just looking at those other two teams, being Ohio State and Michigan, of course, for those who were, you know, could not pick up what I was putting down there. For those sleeping under a rock. No, yeah. For those who aren't <laughs> no. the uh, most for those new to the college tuned football in. scene. Yeah. For those who aren't as tuned in as much to the college football world. So, uh, Penn State, uh, Iowa, though. Back to this game. Penn State, 15-point favorites. Look, for Penn State, they didn't look great last week at Illinois. It was a, a bump in the road. 
But they still won handedly. I mean, 30-13, to 13, that's right. not a that score small margin of victory. It doesn't scream close game. It You know, the game felt a little off, though, from Penn State's po- uh, point of view. Couldn't really get the offense going, especially in the first half. The defense was rolling. Sleeping um, at the wheel was the offense the whole game. Very much so. Meanwhile, the defense was on it. Uh, I think five turnovers. Yeah, and four interceptions by Luke Gallmeyer. We talked about yeah, this on the we Wednesday did. show, but it transfers into into this upcoming week though because Iowa, another great defense, another uh, low powered offense. Penn State, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if um, if this is kind of what the game against Illinois should have looked like here, where Penn State starts rolling early uh, and then the backups come in and add a few more a few more points because that's what James Franklin does this year. To the chagrin of those in the betting world. <laughs> <laughs> to the chagrin. I love that. It's a I good word. It. it is. It's, it's a good word. It is. Um, so I, I totally agree with you. I think last week was uh, not a sign of things to come. I think Penn State uh, runs them off the field this week. Uh, something like, let's see, the Lions 15. I think they win this game by 24 or more. Yeah, it could be a route. Look, I'm going to take the flip side of things for Iowa for a second. Sure. a little devil's advocate. Please if, do. If the Hawkeyes were to pull an upset, they got to get off to a fast start. That's the only way you got to quiet that building because that stadium gets loud oh, on whiteout on whiteout night, kidding? especially the loudest game of the year at, at Beaver Stadium. Look, if you want any chance of winning, you got to quiet that crowd early. You got to get off to a fast start. The problem is for Iowa, I don't see the big play capability in, in that offense. And when you're going on the road and you're that much of a dog, you got to be able to get those big plays through the air. You know, you can only chunk your way down the field so much, like on the run. You can only. Mm-hmm. You use the run so much, you got to be able to get those big passways through the air because that's where the difference is made as an underdog. I don't see a lot of that capability for Iowa. This offense just doesn't possess that. That's not what they do. So I don't really see a path to victory for Iowa. I think Penn yeah. State wins. I think they cover. They're going to roll in this game. They're going to go to 4-0. The offense is going to rebound. They're going to not look like you know, a team who couldn't move the football for the life of them like yeah. they did last week. Give me the Nittany Lions. They're just going to crush Iowa. Yeah, this environment is one that adds, I'd say, probably no less than 10 points to uh, to the swing of the game. I think the whiteout environment, I remember uh, watching just a couple years ago, it was, was it Michigan State uh, that came in and had to take a timeout before the first snap of the game. It was Michigan. Michigan, yeah, yeah. It was like a really big game. That was Shea Patterson, mm-hmm. the quarterback for that Wolverines team. That game was so loud. That was great. That was the loudest stadium I think I've ever you know, Taking watched the time. on TV. I mean, they had no chance to hear the first play. Yeah, no Not chance. I watched uh, kind of the, the highlights of that just recently, actually, and just the sheer volume and the sheer how that must feel on a, on a quarterback and a, and a coach and an offensive line trying to communicate. It's it's insane. Definitely adds points to the swing of the game. Um, yeah, give me Penn State in a route of Iowa. Penn State going to start off 4-0, and maybe on their way to a college playoff berth. All right, well, we will dive right back into the college football conversation in just one moment as we do have a message from the KUR Notebook. From the KUR Community Calendar, join KUAB and OSI for a night full of hilarious comedy on Wednesday, October 4th at 7 p.m. Comedian Kelly Kells will be sure to have you laughing. Kelly is a teacher turned comedian who provides comedic relief from the realities of the lives of black women and families. One of the country's most dynamic comedians, Kelly Kells, has performed on HBO's all-deaf digital comedy. This message of community interest brought to you by KUR. All right, back into it. Heavy hitters on this Wednesday evening, hour number one. It's rush hour, Mitch. You know we got to bring the heat. Um, but we're bringing the heat all show long. I mean, is that even a question? <laughs> I don't know. I certainly don't take a day off. Exactly. Me, neither do I. I don't know, Jack. What do you mean, I don't know? Pick it up, buddy. 
All right. Well, someone's got to keep the show it. moving here. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly isn't me. Have you seen my work ethic? I got like five past quizzes to do. Oh my, that's it's not really. Good. It's really only two. Uh, okay, that that's a better number. Yeah, still not good, but a better number. It's all good. Hey, hey, let us be the soundtrack to your studiousness. Get yeah. that work done. All you in the library, or that aren't in the library, it should be. Yeah, get over there. Get on it. Moving on. All right. Back to game previews. This one at high noon on Saturday in Clemson, South Carolina. Sounds like a duel. Because it is a duel. At high noon in Clemson. Well, it's a highly anticipated ACC duel as the fourth-ranked Florida State Seminoles roll into town to take on Dabo Swinney and the Clemson Tigers. Clemson 2-1. and one, They lost their opening game in dominant fashion, surprisingly. Yeah, to embarrassing Duke. fashion. To Duke. They've won their next two, uh, albeit against... You know, cupcake opponents, but you know you should get credit for doing what you're supposed to do, and that's exactly what Clemson did, beating Charleston Southern and Florida Atlantic uh, the past couple of weeks. This will be their third straight home game for Clemson. Look, this game's a battle of the identities, right? Clash of mentalities. Florida State rebuilt their roster over the past couple of years by heavily using the transfer portal in the Mike Norvell era. Meanwhile, Clemson, like we've talked about on the show before. They have not used it at all. I mean, Dabo Swinney has portal rankings for Clemson has been in the hundreds the past couple of years. They just absolutely do not use this tool whatsoever for building their roster, and that's their choice. That's how he wants to run their program, albeit that's the freedom he has as a head coach uh, of a Power 5 college football team. Didn't really matter where he'd be coaching. He has that choice, and he is electing to use it here. So we'll see. Does that hurt Clemson? I mean, I think we're going to find out uh, on Saturday because this is a very talented Florida State team. A, a couple questions for this for this game. Looking first at Florida State. As loyal listeners of the show would know, but if you're new, I'm a huge Florida State fan. I've been for a while. This is not a new thing. I'm just I'm passionate about college football. Contrary to his Steelers fandom, so that I just found out about on Monday. You might have just found out about it. <laughs> People who know me well have known. Jack, I laid awake at night the past two nights thinking about that. Really? How I could go what are we on, two years now, mm-hmm. knowing each other? Yeah. And I didn't know that. And I am ashamed, and I, I just hope I can do better. It's okay, buddy. <laughs> Did you know I'm an Eagles fan? I don't know, considering you're wearing an Eagles quarter zip right now um, and have an Eagles phone case, as you <laughs> showed to me and already knew. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it, it, that's a tough question to answer, Mitch. I was going to wear the hat today. I don't really have a serious lean either way on that one. Mm. but Still undecided. Yeah. Okay. Florida State. Yes. They, they you know, talking about falling asleep at the wheel as Penn State's offense did last week. This is what Florida State, they were 31-10 in this game. They barely hung on to win 31-29 on the Red Bandana game at Boston College. Thomas Castellanos produced problems for this Florida State defense, both through the air and on the ground. Can Florida State, you know, this is a good maturity moment for this team. Can they put a bad performance by the wayside in a game where they won? I mean, it's easier to learn this lesson in a win than a loss, right? You know, you get out of there, you limp to a win, and you say, hey, we've put nowhere near fourth our best game. Still got out of there with a win. Now we move on to play a much higher quality team in Clemson than Boston College. Can they show them maturity? Can they rebound? Can they put this behind them, use it as a learning experience, and go out there and put up their best game against Clemson on the road? I mean, I'm expecting that to happen. Switching over to Clemson, though. I mentioned their two straight wins against, albeit, very low competition. How does Clemson's secondary hold up against 
the best receiver room by far that they faced in yeah. their first three games. Not very well, in my opinion. I mean, Duke— This was going to be my point. I like the Florida State playmakers way more than the uh, than the defensive secondary for Clemson. Mm-hmm. I think it's a mismatch. I think Florida State is going to have some big fireworks shows through the air. I would agree. I would agree that it's a mismatch there. It's been a mixed bag of results for the secondary for Clemson. And and Johnny Wilson, Keon Coleman, Jaheim Bell produce very strong threats as wideouts and playmakers like you mentioned, Mitch. I think it's a big advantage there for Florida State. I mean, I don't think Clemson's secondary is bad, but I don't think it's elite to the point where, hey, they're going to be able to clamp down these receivers for four quarters. I think they're going to get to them. Also, the defensive line for Clemson. Clemson, customarily known in the Davos Swinney era for having a monster defensive line. They've also gotten mixed results there. They've shown flashes where, hey, this is a group that can get to the passer and get home. But they've also gotten stifled uh, for, for patches of time as well. Can they get some consistency there? Can they get enough pressure to rattle Jordan Travis? Again, I'm not convinced that they're going to do so in this game. So Florida State, uh, I believe, two-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. That's the line. Uh, give me Florida State to win, Florida State to cover. They're going to go in there and win, I think, soundly. Give me my double digits. I'm that confident. Ooh. So, last time Jack made a double digits prediction was the Giants before they lost to the 40 Cowboys. to nothing. But, yeah. I'm just confident looking at it. I don't love the consistency of quarterback at a Kate Klubnick for Clemson. He's had very varying play. The rushing attack's great. Will Shipley and Phil Moffa, very good for Clemson there. But Florida State's got a really good interior on that defensive line, uh, you know, with Fabian Lubin and the and the you know guys they mix in and out all over on that defensive line group. I just I think that you know, Clemson's offensive strength plays right into Florida State's defensive strength. So, you know, who wins that matchup? And I don't think even if Clemson wins in that area, it's going to be to the margin enough where they're going to feel comfortable on the offensive side. And plus, the wide receiver room at Clemson is not all that great, you know. It's not like they're boasting this elite receiver room for Kate Klubnick to work with. No. Despite them having a really good offensive coordinator in Garrett Riley, I just don't think they have enough there for him to work with to get them over the edge in this game. Clemson also doesn't really have margin for error because that Duke loss was a conference game. If they lose this one, it's not even the end of September yet. They'd have two conference losses. That would put their chances at an ACC championship game appearance appearance in peril. Yeah, and one final point I'll make. Everything you just said was very good. I've uh, never really been impressed with uh, with Klubnik. I, I have been impressed with Travis in the limited action. I guess not that much limited anymore. I've watched much more of him recently um, that I've seen. I, I think Travis is the better athlete. I think he's the smarter player, and I think that'll bode well, even if Clemson was able to get defensive pressure with that line. Uh, I think he's one guy that can recognize that, um, make adjustments, get the ball out quick, uh, or when he has the, the time. To launch one deep, and I think um, I think quarterback play is gonna. I, I think it usually shows, and I think this will be one of those games where we look back and say, "Yeah, the better quarterback won." Yeah, exactly. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. So, I, think I don't think double digits. I think seven points. Three, I think that's three fair. to seven. Seven. I, I, I'm, again, I'm a Florida State fan. I'm gonna yeah, be bullish in that course. take, but I, I absolutely think they're gonna win. I think they're gonna cover. Um, I can, you know, put my money's worth on that. But double digits is just being a little bullish. You bet your bottom dollar, buddy. Yeah, bet your bottom. All right, we're going to preview one more game before we go to our first break. Ole Miss, number 15 in the AP poll, going to Tuscaloosa to take on the 13th-ranked Alabama Crimson Tide. By the way, Alabama at 13. They're slumping, boy. It's been a substantial amount of time since I've seen Clemson. Or not Clemson. Not Clemson. Alabama, who's in a similar situation in my mind as Clemson, uh, at, at number 13. Yeah. 
You think I'm going to uh, get to hit the listeners with another Alabama loses on Monday? We could. Very well could. Alabama loses! Ole Miss, very capable opponent. Fourth year under Lane Kiffin uh, are, are the Rebels. We'll talk about Ole Miss in a minute. I want to talk about Alabama first. Do it. Jalen Milrow back as the starting quarterback for Alabama after the QB fiasco down in Tampa against South Florida. Neither Tyler Buckner or Ty Simpson looked good at all for Alabama in a 17-3 win. Huh. Yeah, it was a struggle. Oh, it that was is crazy. I, I I had to check that score like three times, make sure I was correct. Yeah, like like you look at that score and say, did did Alabama really only beat USF by two touchdowns? Yes, your eyes did not deceive you in that game. Well, mine did. <laughs> Moving on, but <laughs> Alabama still a formidable opponent. I'll just take the reins here. Yeah, yeah, you got <laughs> it for now. Yeah, you're a little impaired there, and um, it's still a Nick Saban team. In his last year, this is going to be a a tough upset attempt for. By the way, it's not his last year. That's just Mitch's opinion. Yeah, I think it should be. <laughs> I definitely think it should be. I think he's washed, buddy. I mean, do you disagree with that? I don't think he's washed. I just don't think he's got the quarterback, and that's the problem. You need good quarterback play to win. I don't think they have that. So if it's about the quarterback, what's he doing? Good coaches win with bad quarterbacks. I mean, I think Alabama still could be a double-digit win team. I think what? they could win the rest of their games on their schedule if they figure out their problems, as I'm going to get to. Milrow back at quarterback. they got to play it with strengths. They have to run. They, this should be a run identity team first. But the problem was, I'm looking back to this Texas game for this game. And, and the problems that presented themselves in that game, I think, could be apparent again in this game. When you look at Texas's offensive execution in that game against Alabama, they beat them over the top. Big yeah. plays through the air. They took the top off against that secondary, and things became problematic for Alabama because they were behind and they had to throw the ball to get back in it. That's not the strength of this Bama team. It's ground and pound. That offensive line has been massively disappointing so far this year. Other than that was a positional group for Alabama that was going to be a huge strength for them. It hasn't been the case. And one big glaring stat as, you know, presentation of that is they they can't protect their quarterbacks. I mean, they have the worst sack rate in the Power 5 at 14%. When, when have you seen an Alabama team, especially the offensive line, be the worst in the Power 5 at protecting the quarterback? Unheard of. It's unheard of. Unheard of under the Saban era. Yeah. Unheard in, of in, in the my Saban lifetime. Era. Exactly. What does Ole Miss do? They have 10 sacks in three games. Oh, boy. That is exactly an area that you should be watching when it comes to this game. Can Ole Miss get to the quarterback? Can they do it often? Look, Alabama, again, they got to produce on the ground, whether it's designed quarterback runs for Jalen Miller. However, they have to scheme it up to get the running game working. They have to do it because if not, it's going to get ugly. Switching to Ole Miss real quick, what does Ole Miss rushing attack look like? Does Jackson Dart get involved on the ground? The quarterback there, Quinshawn Judkins, an explosive running back for, for Ole Miss. They got to get involved early. And can they get those explosive plays in the air? Absolutely, they can, by the way. That's a quick spoiler Jackson darts 12.5 <laughs> yards per pass attempt this year one of the best in college football they can absolutely get the big plays over the top against this Alabama defense we're almost gonna get the big lead early um because as you saw in the Texas game they didn't quite necessarily get it early but they had that double digit lead late and Alabama just could never recover from had it. no answer they had no answer for that so those are the keys for Ole Miss they got to go in get off to a fast start uh, the defense, can they get to the quarterback? They've got 10 sacks in three games, like I've already mentioned. they got to get home. they got to make Milrow feel the heat, despite how good of a runner he is. And the huge issue for Bama, like I mentioned, can, do, can they rectify their past issues? I think they can. 
but they also have to play into their strengths. And Tommy Reese, that's where you come in as an offensive coordinator. You need to be able to scheme up this offense to where they can play to their strengths consistently. You're at Alabama. You're at Alabama. You have the people. Despite the quarterback not being the greatest, they have the personnel, I think, to where they can rectify the problems. Uh, excuse me. To where they're you know patched up enough where it's not a glaring weakness anymore. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Alabama should be this bad. I think it's atrocious. Uh, quite frankly, an embarrassment. I don't. Wow. I don't care about the. Uh, you are grilling player. Alabama. Well, I don't have many opportunities to do so, so I'm gonna. Uh, Take advantage. Yeah, I couldn't think of the word for You're that. You're just going to kick them while they're down, Exactly. Right? And I'm going to kick them even harder. I'm predicting Old Miss to win this game by 10. Alabama, seven-point favorites in this one. I'm yeah. going to go Alabama to win. I'm taking a shot in the dark here. I'm going to go Alabama to win. I'm going to go Alabama upset. to cover. Big upset for me. We could not be more different on this take. Again, it's very capable that possible that Ole Miss is, could win this game. But I'm going to bet on Saban. I'm going to bet on Saban. they got to get that swagger, that alpha mentality back. I'm going to take a big chance on betting on I the like Tide. It. I like it. They're going to go to 3-1. and one He's with rolling win. with the Tide. All right. Well, that's going to take us to our first break of the show. When we come back, we will further get into our Week 4 college football preview. A couple more marquee games to look at. Ohio State, Notre Dame, one of those two we'll talk about when we get back. That is the one we will start off with after the break. Thank you so much for tuning into this point. We'll be back momentarily here on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. And welcome back into Heavy Hitters here on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. Mitchell Smedley, Jack Heim. We are taking you through this 5 o'clock hour. We'll get uh, about another hour and a half of sports talk. We got some MLB, I believe, coming up at the end of this hour. We're still talking college football week number four. Got a couple marquee matchups to discuss before we uh, move on. You want to go uh, Notre Dame? Let's go there. Let's talk about the Fighting Irish. They're going to welcome in the sixth-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. Man, we saw this game a year ago in Columbus. Yes, we did. Ohio State won it 24-10. I think this time around it's going to be a completely different game because in that game, Notre Dame was just going in there with, you know, can we hang around enough to potentially pull off the upset? This time, I think they can be a little bit more aggressive, and that's a lot in part due to their quarterback play. They got Sam Hartman in the transfer portal this offseason for those who might be unaware or don't pay attention to Notre Dame or just looking broadly at college football, but he's a name you should know. He tore it up at Wake Forest over the past several years, transferred to play for the Fighting Irish, and they made a big-time addition at the quarterback spot. They come in 3-0. Look, Last year, with Buckner at the helm, they could never really be aggressive on offense. He just wasn't that kind of guy. Harbin's the kind of guy you can unleash him and say, yeah, we're going to sling the ball all over the place today and have confidence that he's going to execute more times than not and get the job done. What also helps for Notre Dame, comparatively to last year, was their leading rusher was Chris Tyree, who ran for 28 yards as the leading rusher for the Irish against the Buckeyes last year. And Jack, that's not good. Yeah, for those who might be, um, you know, saying, you know, maybe they just pass it a lot. No, 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 no. They had one big pass in that game. That was on the opening drive, went for like 55 yards. Exactly. And then they got stopped inside the red zone and kicked a field goal. Yeah. And, and, then, the, the, and then the offense, offense did nothing. pretty much shut down after that. Passing, rushing, whatever you wanted to do, it was not there. But this time around, Audric Estime, a top running back in the country, 
leads the FBS in rushing yards, I believe. Oh, no, no, no. Rush yards By per game. By your estimation? Rush yards per game. Averages 130 yards per game. That's He's a, a lot of yards. Yeah, yeah, I would say slightly. That's... It goes to your point, though. It's a much more capable uh, Notre Dame offense. Yes. Um, obviously, it's still Ohio State. Not putting the the there, because gross. But because gross, I really um, so I actually last year before this game had an argument with my dad. Shocking, uh, if you've ever met him. <laughs> and wow, and uh, he was very passionate that Ohio State was going to blow them out of the water. I told him it would be uh, it would be closer. Uh, the the line was seventeen and a half. I said there's no way, and I was right. Ended up being a fourteen point game. I think it's even much closer this time around. I think Notre Dame is a far more capable team this year, like you just mentioned, for all the reasons that you just talked about. Um, I don't think they'll win. I think Ohio State is still the better team uh, all around. But I think these playmakers make it a somewhere around a four-point game. Um, I think Ohio State still gets out of there. With the W, as much as I would love to pick the Fighting Irish. I love, I don't know. Do you know how many Irish songs I know, Jack? A lot. You're a big Irish music oh, yeah. fan. Yeah, I'm the Irishman, basically. All right. Well, I am going to give the rest of my thoughts on this game. When we come back, we'll step aside for 30 seconds, get our updated traffic report, as it is rush hour for all of those who might be driving out there while listening to us. Um, Yeah, we'll be back in 30 seconds. Traffic's moving accident-free in the Lehigh Valley on 22 and 78, Berks County on 222 and 422. Schuylkill County on 209 and 309, Carbon County on 248 and 443, and on the turnpike. The 69 News Traffic Center tip line is 610-820-1111. That's the latest from the 69 News Traffic Center. And back here on Heavy Hitters, rolling through our number one, talking all things college football week four preview. We've already talked about Iowa traveling to take on Penn State for the whiteout game. Uh, We've talked about Alabama hosting Ole Miss. We've also talked about Florida State traveling to play Clemson. A lot of marquee matchups on the college football slate for this weekend. And we were in the midst of breaking down Ohio State and Notre Dame. Mitch thinks the Buckeyes are going to win. Ohio State, three and a half point favorites is the line. That is on right this around one. what I said for. You oh, said my four. goodness. Look it's at almost me. like you checked, but you didn't. <laughs> I actually don't check the lines. I look at like who's playing. I look at some other stats. Yeah, I do not check the the betting lines. So Ohio State three and a half points. That's favorites. illegal, Jack. I'm only twenty. Yeah, <laughs> that is illegal for you. Not for me, but for you. Yes. Okay, way to rub it in, bud. So he's one year older just, than someone and thinks he's all that. Um, I'm, I was just stating a fact. Uh, actually, it's eleven months. So <laughs> all right, look at our summer birthdays over here. Yes, we are summer birthdays. Okay, it was brutal. I've talked about. Notre Dame's offense with Sam Hartman, who is very capable at the quarterback. Audric Estime, a top-flight running back in the country, one of the best in the country. Looking at Ohio State, the question about them, the offensive line. Can they protect Kyle McCord enough? And this is their group's first real test. I mean, they played Indiana, they've played Western Kentucky, and they played Youngstown State. Three teams who would not really challenge the Buckeyes' offensive line. However, Notre Dame provides a lot more of a threat. Notre Dame's defensive strength is pressure rate. They're second in all of college football in pressure rate. That matchup, I would say, favors them in terms of that statistical aspect. Uh, the Buckeyes have seemed to be uh, seem to be road warriors. Since 2019, they are 16-1 and on the road. Uh, that is incredible. That's tied for the best in college football with the Georgia Bulldogs. Ohio State defensively. Massively improved under second-year defensive coordinator Jim Knowles. This is a group who 
over the past couple of years was a weakness for this Ohio State team. You looked and say, okay, the defense, that's that's an area of weakness. That's not the case anymore. This is the Buckeyes defense who can win them games. They're second, I believe, nine points per game allowed. They allowed three to Indiana, ten to Western Kentucky, and let's see how many youngs I see. I can't remember the top of my head. Seven. So, yeah. They have not given up any points at all so far. Notre Dame's going to get their points, though. Um, but I don't know how like how many is the question. How much is this Notre Dame offense putting up against a solid Ohio State defense? Granted, it's their first test. We'll see how it goes. I'm going to take Ohio State to win. I'm going to take Ohio State to cover. I think they're the better team. I, I like Notre Dame having the edge of quarterback, but I don't think that's going to be enough. I think the rushing game of Ohio State between Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams, I think they host a, you know, they boast a powerful combination of running backs back there. The wide receivers are problematic. Uh, I think Marvin Harrison, Cade Stover is an incredible tight end. I, I like. Uh, Amiga Ibuka, pardon me, Amika Ibuka. Oh my goodness, that's such a hard name to say. That is, yeah, that is difficult. Amika Ibuka, for the third time. There we go. Finally came off the tongue clean. But yeah, I think Ohio State just has a couple of set advantages in terms of rushing attack as a whole. I like Estime, but as a whole, I like Ohio State there. Uh, I think the defense is going to do enough to get them the win. It's tight. It's going to be close. Uh, but I kind of agree with what you said. Ohio State by around that. Four point margin yeah. to get out of there with a win. Yeah, it just feels right. It, it feels does. like there's going to be big plays on both sides, uh, both sides with playmakers. Uh, I, I definitely think this is going to be one of the more entertaining games so far this season. Definitely interested in this one. Yes, one of the most marquee out of conference games to watch this year for sure. For sure, absolutely. All right, moving on. One last college football preview before we shift our focus here. It's the biggest hype train and the biggest story in college football. <laughs> and I'm peddling it. <laughs> is the number 19 Colorado Buffaloes. They'll go to Autzen Stadium in Eugene, Oregon to take on the 10th ranked Oregon Ducks. Ooh. Looking at this game. I boxed myself into a corner. Jim. Oregon is 21 point favorites. Yeah. Three touchdowns. That is a wide margin between two ranked teams. Now. The spread has been very confusing when looking at the first three games for, for Colorado. TCU spread outright wrong. TCU was 20.5-point favorites. Yeah. Not how that one shaped up at all. The Nebraska spread, 2.5, I believe, in Colorado's favor. Colorado blitzed them. The spread against Colorado State, where Colorado was heavy favorites, they won in double overtime by one score. So Vegas has not been able to get a good grasp on what Colorado is as a team to the first three games. I believe, though, this is where they get it right. And you might be saying, Jack, how could you have such confidence that they're going to get this number right despite getting the first three wrong? Well, the people in Vegas are not stupid, right? They they get these numbers, and they're more often than not accurate for a reason, right? I think this is the case. This is the first real test for Colorado this year. I mean, with all due respect to TCU, it's their first real test in Oregon. Colorado's not going to have Travis Hunter in this game. Uh, that's a big. That's a big loss. Yeah. One of my favorite players in college football. One of many favorite. One of many, Mitch. Uh, yeah, you're not alone in that. I know. Game. It's not a. It's not like a crazy take. It's not I love pick. Travis Hunter. You do. Yeah. He plays you, offensive. You he's the show. He's the Shohei of football. How could you, you could not say. love that? Yeah. Yeah. But let me just let me just say. Yeah. Let Let's get your two cents on this one. So I, I have to pretty much bow myself out of this because. I'm going to agree with everything you are about to say, 
However, you think I know where you think where you know, you. Oh my goodness, you think you know where I'm going? Oh, I, I do know where you're going. Okay. However, I just have to say that uh, I did, while um, conducting this hype train, about a week or two ago, I did. You're say not that, the only one at the at the in the conductor's seat. My yeah, friend. it's a, it's a crowded room up here. Yeah, but uh, a nationwide filled room. While I was in the midst of operating this train, I did uh, on this on this show say that they would beat Oregon. And I have to stick by that. I have to say uh, Colorado by three. Wow. In a miracle. It's going to be one of those miracle games. I get it. No Travis Hunter. You don't think there's a chance, Jack. Well, since you went there. Look who's going to show up. It's going to be my man, Dylan Edwards. Since you went there. Player of the game. Let's paint the path, or paint the picture, I should say, for a Colorado win. Sure. Can they establish any sort of a run game? I think it's a must if they want to get out of here with a win. They are second worst in power five in rush yards per game. However, the pass game is elite. Yes, uh, Shadur Sanders second in the FBS with 1,251 passing yards. Uh, that's a lot. Yeah, that's that's a lot through three games. Uh, that's for that sure. It's insane. It is incredible. Defensively, for Colorado, look, they're not going to stop Oregon consistently. That's not the defense they have there. They just need some timely turnovers. Exactly. They need to commit the turnovers yeah. because this is a defense that is not great to begin with. The only obstacle is... Turnovers are very unpredictable, and Oregon's one of only two Power Five teams to have not committed a turnover to not commit a turnover yet this season. So they're due. The problem is, I believe Hunter argument. had uh, two picks in the season opener alone. Yeah, uh, like he was a turnover creator. Exactly. And now you're without him, so that doesn't really go well. To my point, but Shiloh Sanders. Yeah, dude, Shiloh's still there. He's still. He, the he's going to have to step up, which he did last week. He did. Granted, it was against a lesser team. I don't care, but. That that's the case. I have no talent. Uh, <laughs> on the other side for Oregon, one of their big weaknesses, they commit a lot of penalties. Um, they're, I believe, 119th in the FBS in penalty yards per game. That's a lot. How many they commit? How many yards do they do they get in penalty yardage? Again, very tough to predict that sort of thing. Yeah. You can't really factor that into a prediction because you don't know what that's going to look like. Oregon could play a really clean game. Uh, and surprise a lot of people in that aspect. Or they could, could you know, commit double-digit penalties and let Colorado linger around, which would be bad news for them. Look, Oregon's favored by 21. I love Bo Nix as a quarterback in his transfer to Oregon. He's really taken a giant leap forward. I like the Ducks to win. Give me Oregon to cover. I think it's going to be a rout. I think they're going to be able to do whatever they want against this Colorado defense. The Colorado offensive line also isn't great. I think Oregon's going to be able to get to Shadur Sanders early and often. Yeah. Look, and everyone's going to say after this game, well, we knew it. This is what Colorado is going to be. They're going to get absolutely trounced by all the big teams. Their over-under win total projection was three and a half. Yeah, and they're already at three. It was three and a half. They were directed to lose, what, nine, ten games? And we're going to fly off the handle after losing one to a top ten team? Really? It's still a great story. Even Again, that lose. just that just shows the casual inside of you. Yeah. If you overreact like this to this kind of game. No, I, Colorado's I am bound thoroughly to lose. impressed. Win or lose, I'm thoroughly impressed with the start to the season. They're bound to lose. They're not going 12-0. and It's not going to happen. They just don't have the team to do that. They're going to make a bowl game. Absolutely. They're not going to go 12-0. and They're going to lose this game to Oregon. They'll probably lose others against the top teams in the Pac-12 just because roster-wise they don't fully compare to, to those teams. For sure. So, again, the, the the narrative, people are going to switch up. Well, this is what we expected Colorado to be. 
Don't be one of those people. Don't do that. I'm expecting Oregon to win in a route. Does that mean I'm giving up and hating on Colorado? No. I just think Oregon's that much better of a football team than Colorado is, and that's the truth of the situation here. All right, that's going to take us to our final break of hour number one. When we come back, we will move on, talk a little bit of MLB to round out hour number one, and then make hour number two all NFL-centric previewing week three there and giving our thoughts on the Monday night games, which were absolutely horrific. Anything else, Mitch? <laughs> which were absolutely... They uh, were, right? They... I actually was really invested in the in the Steelers Browns game. Oh, I, I thought, know you were. I thought that was like I get it was like terrible football and one of the biggest both games were terrible. One of football. the injury tragedies of our of our time occurred. Which we'll talk about yeah, but I I thought it was a really if you like defense, if you like defense, which I occasionally do when it's not my team, um, that that was a really fun game to watch. I was I was interested the whole time, and I get that that game lasted like three months but that 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 was a good game it took i told my buddy we were watching it together and i said dude it's 9 45 and we're not even done the first half no yeah it it was like what is going on it was 10 o'clock and it was like under the two minute warning i'm like dude this this exactly it's almost taken two hours to do the first half of the game i was like it's 9 15 and the first quarter isn't over yeah Yeah, and then they and then the first quarter did end and then they reviewed a play and they put 30 seconds back on the clock yeah exactly (laughs) what's going on we'll talk about all that and more when we come back here on heavy hitters on the radio voice of kutztown university k or kutztown and welcome back to Heavy Hitters, everybody here on the radio voice of Kutztown University, K or Kutztown. Jack Heim, Mitchell Smedley. Yo, buddy. We're going to move on, uh, but real quick before we talk about MLB, I'm going to give you some other college football games of the week to watch. We have UCLA, 22nd ranked Bruins. I traveling not see LA. To take on. <laughs> I am blind. 22nd ranked UCLA traveling to. Utah, Salt Lake City to take on the 11th ranked Utah Utes. That's a fun one. Didn't really talk all you know a whole lot about that one, but that is another big time matchup in the college football realm. Oregon State, the 14th ranked Beavers, DJ Uyunglele, the former, <laughs> it's the best name, the former Clemson, Clemson quarterback, yeah. probably the biggest winner of the Clemson situation out there because he's in a more stable offense at Oregon State than he was at Clemson, and now the blame falls on Klubnik, not on DJ. So. Yeah, congratulations to him. I do not for like Klubnik getting out of that as situation. a satellite Clemson fan. So, there. By the way, the the Beavers will travel to take on the twenty first ranked Washington Cougars. Pullman, Washington, represent ranked for the first time. And Jack's getting excited. I'm I'm excited for them. Washington State's <laughs> usually not a team you see in the top twenty five. Oh, Jack. So they were in the Mike Leach era when Gardner Minshew was there. Are you a fan of the Cougars? Um. Am I a fan? No, not particularly. But I knew Mitch. Shush. Oh my goodness! Keep going. Please stop. Please. I didn't. I didn't say it. Please stop. You're Everyone knew it. when you were in. No, I'm asking if you like Washington State. Yeah. Why did you pause? To <laughs> I don't know. That? I don't know. I'm off like, my like, game. Do you mean Washington is a state or Washington State the college? The college. Um, Washington the state. Again, is I'm indifferent boring. about him. I'm indifferent about him, but I'm a college football fan, so it's exciting to see. A team like Washington State, who was expected to finish like seventh in the Pac-12, be three and zero and be in the top twenty-five, hosting a top twenty-five game at their home stadium in Week Four. That's exciting. All it's right. exciting for the sport. All right, I get it. That's kind of where my you know the whole thing stems from. For sure, me. sure. That's enough out of you. <laughs> I didn't say. I agreed with you. Your your tone is something I'm picking well, up on. A snarky, snarky malarkey. Yeah, All exactly. Right. Any other matchups? 
that are sticking out. Uh, Cupcake Michigan continues to host just teams that was uh, that just aren't that good. They, I mean, they're getting Rutgers this week at home. So, by the way, when Michigan struggling against Bowling Green last week, why didn't nobody talk about it? Like, is that am I the only one who's perplexed by that? Uh, no, it's it's a I think it's a blip on the radar. Funny story, by the way. Got a text uh, in our family group chat. Um, from my sister. I don't know. Somehow we were just all talking about what we were doing on Saturday, and my sister just randomly texted uh, <laughs> out of nowhere that she just spent five hours getting yelled at by old guys directing traffic at the Rutgers game. <laughs> and I didn't even know she was going there. That's funny. Uh, I guess she had to help with her basketball team. So uh-huh. Not really sure in that situation, but good job, Carissa. Other interesting uh, notable matchups around college football. Auburn travels to take on Texas A&M. That's an SEC showdown. We have Duke going to UConn. That's eh, not really that crazy. Duke's three touchdown favorites. BYU goes I can't to Kansas. Stand UConn. BYU goes to Kansas in an interesting Big Twelve showdown. Yes, BYU a new addition to the Big Twelve for this season. They looked they've looked good. Both teams coming at three and zero. Rock chalk Jayhawk Kansas three and zero. How about that? That's enough. Um, Tennessee, they'll host UTSA, trying to rebound after a rough loss down in the swamp. Arkansas travels to Death Valley to take on LSU, another SEC showdown. And Texas will go to Baylor, going down to Waco to face a team in trying to recover in Baylor, already one and two. A team in flux. Yeah, a team in flux. There you go. All right. All right. All we got on college football. Let's move on. MLB talk rounding out hour number one. Not a whole lot to talk about that's changed from what we discussed on the Monday show. Uh, Braves and Dodgers have, you know, they've already clinched their respective divisions. They're going to get the buys in the NL. The NL wildcard race really hasn't changed a whole lot outside of the Mets um, going down to Miami, uh, getting a win in the first game of that series. Fortunately, they dropped yesterday's game in a walk off for Miami. Uh, Brandon Nimmo had a two-run double in the ninth inning of that game to tie it at three. Thought we were going to rip the hearts out of the Marlins and their fans. But not to be Jake Berger to walk off single, 4-3. The Fish win it, split the first two out of three uh, in Miami. The rubber game tonight, Kodai Senga against Yuri Perez in that one. And the Marlins need the wins in the worst of ways. Yes, they do, because they are sitting a half game out of the third wild card still. The needle has not moved whatsoever. Um, the Phillies actually added a half game since Monday, but not since last week. It's really staying just about the same. The Phillies are three and a half up uh, in the wild card race. They are three ahead of the Diamondbacks. They have the first wild card spot right now. And how about the Phillies taking a series in Atlanta? Nick Castellanos today. What a game he had. Uh, two home runs and a defensive, uh, well, did you see this play, Jack, the Castellanos catch today? No. Okay, so it's the bottom of the ninth tie game, one out, runner on third. There's a little pop-up fly ball thing over in foul territory right field line. Let it drop, right? Because no. the runner on third can tag. It's like semi-deep, though. Like, it's not right by first base. It's like down the line. Castellanos instead catches the ball and launches cannon of an arm apparently didn't know and uh gets the guy at home that for a was a play. great throw i just watched yeah it. did you just Whoa. pull it up right he should have let that drop in my opinion well it's i guess it's a good thing he didn't it took a perfect throw and he uh he got him at home what a play saved the game 
Phillies would go on uh, in extra innings, so you get the runner on second. They would get, I believe, four walks in the inning. Maybe it was three. Uh, from Minter, Schwarber would walk, and then Turner hit into a double play. But then Harper and Bohm would walk uh, before Bryson Stott came up with a two-out, bases-loaded, two-run double uh, to put the fills up 6-4. The Braves would get one more in the bottom of the inning, but that run didn't matter. And it, the final was 6-5. What a day for Castellanos and the great hit by Stott. And uh, the Phillies end up taking two of three. They took another one on Monday night, which Kyle Schwarber hit a ball that still hasn't landed. That ball went an official 495 feet um, down there in Atlanta. That thing out of the stadium. Incredible. And uh, Schwarber, I believe, now has 45 home runs on the season. They lost yesterday 9-3. to Ugly game. And uh, final note, Aaron Nola seems to have gotten a little bit back. But credit to the Phillies. They finished the season 5-8 and eight against the Braves, showing they can hang with them. And if they had held on to the two games they ended up losing late in the last series, you know, you're looking at 7-6. and six, And it shows that the Phillies can still play with the top teams. They play up to their competition. This is what they do. They beat the good teams. They lose to the bad ones for some reason. And... I'm, it's just inspiring, and I you hope to see it continue. They they are treading water in this wild card race against a tougher opponent, the toughest opponent in baseball. And now they go and and have some easier games here. Done with the Braves for the season. Thank goodness. Anything else on the uh, NL side of things? Uh, I'll give my thoughts in just one second. We do have a message from the KR notebook from the KR community calendar happening Thursday, September twenty first at six p.m. in room two eighteen of the. McFarland's Student Union Building. Accounting Club's Meet the Firms Night is an accounting club's signature event providing you an opportunity to meet with representatives of highly respected accounting firms and other financial organizations. Attending firms are actively recruiting. Participating students typically receive internships or full-time career opportunities from this event. This opportunity is particularly important to sophomores, juniors, and senior accounting majors. This message of community interest brought to you by the Radio Voice of Kutztown University. KUR rounding out Hour number one, talking all things MLB. Mitch just talked about the Phils and the Braves, how they took that series down there in Atlanta in a huge one. I think the Phils are a team that the Braves do not want to see not come at all. the postseason. Not, not just based last off year. last year. Not just based off last year. It just feels like those matchups are always tight, and they're the team that pushes the Braves the most, in my mind. For some reason, it just works League. out that way. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't uh, know why. I the really Phils, don't. Phil's going to be set to get the top wild card in my mind. I don't think the the Diamondbacks or the Cubs will catch them. Nope. So I think they'll be good there. They'll be hosting a wild card playoff series. Probably, I don't know. Who do you think's know. coming to Philly, Jack? We said it last time. Oh, We said the D-backs would yeah. get second collectively. Yeah. Okay. So we got to stand by it, right? I, I definitely am standing by it. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's weird seeing it. nothing move in this wild card picture. I want some jostling. It is. I want some stress. Well, the Marlins could could add a little hair into this thing if they take two out of three from the Mets tonight. We'll see. I don't know. Sanga's a heck of a starter for New York. So we'll see how that goes tonight for the Mets and the Marlins. That's a 640 start time. That actually be getting underway towards the end of the show. We're going to move on to the AL, though. Actually, real quick in the NL, D-backs currently beating the Giants 7-1. to and we said that was a big series for the Giants. Diamondbacks won the first game last night out of the two between those two. 8-4. to four. They're now winning 7-1. to one. Looks like they're going to sweep that brief two-game set and improve to 9 over 500. Yep. I think uh, that should be the nail in the coffin yeah, for San Fran. Yeah, really going to 
really going to, you know, take That sets the, them back pretty far. You know, really going to suck the wind out of the sails. That's what I was searching for. For sure. So, yep, it'll be a two-and-a-half game lead on the D-backs for the Phillies after that game is over. Uh, that definitely, in my mind, eliminates San Fran from contention. But uh, you never know. They could make a late They're not mathematically eliminated No, yet. not yet at all. But I think I would agree. It takes them mostly out of the equation. Yes. So it's really the Marlins. The Reds are still in it, uh, vying to get in. The first two teams looking in on the playoff picture. Pirates host the Cubs tonight. It'll be Mitch Keller against Justin Steele, a matchup of the aces of those two rotations. Cubs took last night's game in dominating fashion, 14-1 to over the Buccos. We'll see if Pittsburgh can rebound tonight. Cubs need these wins. Uh, you know, again, it, it's huge to get a win if a team loses. You know, if the Cubs win and the, and the Marlins and the Reds lose, that gives them some extra separation and an added boost for them in the standings. All right, we're going to move on to the American League side of things. Not much has changed there. All of the wildcard teams seemingly on a roll right now. Blue Jays winners of four in a row. The Rangers have won their last two against the Red Sox after dropping the first of that series, and the Mariners have won two in a row against the A's. They're up 6-3 to three in the top of the eighth with first and second and one out in that one. And the final game of that three-game set at the Oakland Coliseum, looks like Seattle's going to sweep them before they get set to go to Arlington, Texas to take on the Rangers for three there down at Globe Life Park. That's going to be a huge series. However that one shapes up will pave the way more than likely to which one of those two teams is in or out. The Blue Jays start a series with the Yankees. They started yesterday. They won 7-1. to one. Huge for them to take the first of three there. Looking at the crucial box score stats, Vladdy Jr. 0 for 5, but Bo Bichette and George Springer both on 2 for 4. They combined to drive in three runs in that one. Big win for the Blue Jays. It's going to be huge for them to try to take down their rivals in the Yankees. As the rest of the season goes on, they have two more against the Yankees and the Bronx. They'll go to the Trop to play the race for 318. They've really struggled against. Did you say the Trop? Yeah. I don't like that. Well, that's what I said. You're going to have to deal with it. (laughs) It's Trop Field. Then they'll host the Yankees for three, and then the Rays come to town for three. That's how the Blue Jays are going to end their season. A lot of divisional showdowns. One against the Fierce Rays and the Yankees, who really have nothing to play for. But spoiler, they got crushed last night. I don't really see this going any differently. Kevin Gosman versus Michael King. The matchup tonight to uh, between the starters for the Blue Jays and the Yanks. Anything else you got to add for uh, baseball, Mitch? We yeah, just, hour before the top of the hour. Just sitting here right now. I mean, we've said it, and it'll be talked about in the offseason at length. But just the fact that we're sitting here talking about the playoff race, and we're not even including in the race, let alone in the in the positions, not even including in the race the Yankees, the Mets, the Padres, these big spending teams with such high expectations. It, it still, to this day, boggles my mind. And it's going to be a year that's remembered in Major League Baseball. It is the year where the little guys triumphed over the Giants. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Yeah. In terms of spending, of course. I was going to say, you talk about the San Francisco Giants? No. But uh, no, where the yeah the low spenders outdid the uh, the big boys. A lot of the Davids beat the Goliaths in this situation. Yep. So, Yes, sir. All right. Well, that is going to take us to our hourly break. Hour number one in the books. College football week four preview. We talked about the updated playoff standings on the MLB side of things. When we come back for hour number two, we will talk all things NFL. Recapping the Monday Night Football games between the Saints, Panthers, Browns, Steelers, and then preview week three. All coming up on Heavy Hitters. Hour number two. Don't go anywhere. Halfway through this Heavy Hitters episode. Jack, keeping tradition alive over there. 
And this is Mitchell Smedley and Jack Heim coming to you live from the McFarland Student Union Building. Talking all things sports. We've talked college football. We've talked MLB. I got one more MLB note that I'll get to. And then the whole second hour will be on NFL. We got Monday night recap. We had two games that we'll touch on and a whole lot of action within them. Uh, And then we will preview NFL week three. Got another full slate of games. No bye weeks yet. And uh, Jack, we're both 2-0 in the KUR Fantasy League, I just thought I'd mention. We are. After Mikey was talking a lot of rah-rah. He was. David Njoku got the win for me on Monday night. But before we get to NFL, uh, I did just see a headline come across my desk. And by desk, I mean phone. Uh, Corbin Carroll of the Arizona Diamondbacks becomes the first rookie in MLB history to reach 25 home runs and 50 stolen bases. Congratulations, Corbin. Anything on that, Jack? He's a damn good ball player. Yes, he is. He's very good. Anyways, we're going to take it to NFL. We had two games. Let's start with the first one. Saints-Panthers, not a whole lot for me on this one. But uh, my Panthers did lose. That's okay. I predicted them to. But it wasn't as convincing as I thought the Saints would look. Jack, how did you feel about this game? It was ugly. Yeah, it was not. It, it was, was not a good football game. Twenty to seventeen, the Saints beat the Panthers. New Orleans improves to two and zero on the year, albeit a couple of unconvincing wins. Yeah, against uh, Tennessee and Carolina. Derek Carr didn't throw a touchdown in this game. Chris Olave had that incredible catch. Not sure if you're able to see that one. Um, <laughs> In terms of, yeah, oh God, that sounds terrible. I know. That sounds awful. No, usually I do watch the highlights, but just hearing that back, like that sounded That's bad, but awful. it's not actually bad. Yeah. Uh, no, I actually, uh, I did. I didn't really, you know, it was fine. I saw the highlight once. I was like, whatever. Nothing in that game really stood out to me at all. So, uh, except for Carolina going to uh, Dalton instead of Bryce Young in like short down and distance situations. Like, I feel like they should be getting him that. Wait, who? Um, who did I say? Who's their backup? The quarterback? Yeah. They were taking Bryce Young out. Um, I don't know. I believe it was Andy Dalton. I'll get back to you. He has not logged a stat from what I'm saying. No? Okay, maybe it was someone else. But they were, uh... No backup quarterback has logged a stat from what I'm looking at. I believe they did. Not according to ESPN. Well, ESPN, I think, has it wrong because I... Frank Reich was talking about it, and he said he uh, wants to, you know, he thinks Bryce Young has a lack of experience. It was the one one of the weirdest headlines I've ever opened up. It was odd. but uh, So that struck me as odd. I did not hear anything about did that. Did you not? Really? That's weird. Wow. Maybe I should run everything by you before we go on air. I did not see it. Let me look this up. Pull it up. Pull it up. He's typing. But, um, yeah, the Panthers look uninspiring. They look like a, a team that doesn't have a lot of playmakers. Uh, they're racking up some injuries on the defensive front. Um, I don't know why I said defensive front. It's really the defense as a whole, including like J.C. Horn and, and everything. On the defensive side of the football, um, Bryce Young is going to take some time to develop. This is not going to be a team I spend much time on week in and week out. Anything over there, Jack? Um, For, for this game? Not really. Yeah. Uh, Saints win... Again, I said unconvincingly, Bryce Young looked okay. Very good in the intermediate passing game. Adam Thielen was a favorite target of his. Yes, he was. Seven catches for 54 yards. Also found his way into the end zone. Miles Sanders didn't look great on the ground. Only 43 yards on 14 carries. This offense is not good. 
I mean, Young's taking time as a rookie. Didn't turn it over this game, but they didn't let him air it out at all, or very much. And again, it's a very solid Saints secondary, right? Marshawn Lattimore. They are good, yeah. A lot of good guys back there for, for the Saints. So, whoops. Whoa. Not bad. I'm pulling the mic. My apologies. It's okay. Hopefully no one's wearing headphones. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not much of this game. 2017, the Saints win. Uh, Panthers, both these teams looked rather unimpressive. The Saints were just good enough to get out of there with the win. Yep. 2017, also the last time the Panthers made the playoffs. Moving along, let's go over to Steelers-Browns. This is far more interesting, interesting. of a yep. football game. It started off, the first play from scrimmage was a pick six for the Steelers. Uh, Thank you, Harrison Bryant. Yes. Do you have the Steelers D? Uh, no. No? I don't. My dad did actually did in our family league, and he beat me because of it. Ooh. I lost back-to-back weeks because of Tyler Bass <laughs> and then the Steelers defense. That's rough. That is well, he also good. Kenny Pickett and George Pickens, which didn't help me. Which didn't yeah, help they me. hooked up for a 70-yard touchdown. But they and only got 14 points, yeah. did, did Pickens. The Steelers, he got 24. So that was kind of like, whoa. Wait, Pickens only had 14 points? Or maybe it's maybe it 22. I don't it know. had to be because that play is 70. So that's 7 plus 6 plus 1. That would be 14 on that play alone. Yeah, yeah I think he got 20-something. I don't know. Okay. But a um, lot of action-packed. Parts of this game. T.J. Watt also found the end zone with a, uh, was that a pick six or a scoop and score? Scoop and score. Highsmith got in, yep. sacked Watson, ball comes out, Watt scoops it up, races into the end I zone. I forget specifically what I texted you after that. It was something like this game is insane, right? Like this game is on some sort of controlled yeah. substance. <laughs> um, it was absolutely insane. Uh, like we mentioned, this game took forever uh, we do got to talk about the major headline. I'd say the biggest headline out of this game. Yeah. Uh, Nick Chubb, if you didn't see it, had a carry inside the five-yard line. And on the tackle, I believe it was Minka Fitzpatrick or TJ Watt? Minka Fitzpatrick. Minka Fitzpatrick came in and, you know, he got him on the legs. And Nick Chubb suffered, I'm not going to describe it in detail at all, one of the most gruesome knee injuries you'll ever see. It was a horrific injury. It was absolutely disgusting. It was bad enough where as Joe Buck on the broadcast was explaining to the audience that they were not going to show it, uh, they played it on the big screen at the stadium and the entire stadium just shrieked, basically. Oh. Yeah, it, was, it was one of those big reactions. Yeah. Um, he's out for the season. We wish him all the best, a speedy recovery. And Hopefully we see him on a football field again. I, I, I thought the same exact thing, Jack, because he had a similar awful knee injury in, in college. college. Yeah. And I looked at my buddy as this game was taking place, as they as we found a replay of it, and I said, I said that might be the last time he plays football. It was that bad. And I hope, I hope the best for him. He's a great guy, great player. And really, it's it's a it sucks. For him, it sucks for the Browns. It sucks for football uh, to lose a player like that. In his absence, the Browns have just signed Kareem Hunt back, familiar face, uh, and Jerome Ford looked really good in this game. Found the end zone, had like a seventy-yard catch and run. That was a seventy-yard run, yeah. Oh, uh, was it? Okay, there. I thought it was a catch out in the flat. Yeah, he uh, no, he ran it to the right side, got stuck. Yeah, oh, that's up, exactly right. That was insane. Made I'm sorry, I didn't miss, remember the beginning just of that play. Race down the near sideline. That was that was a great play. Uh, one of the best I've seen from a running back this year. Looked outstanding. So the Browns' run game could still be in good hands. 
Deshaun Watson, on the other hand, did not look good. No, he looks terrible. He looks really bad. And why is everyone not talking about his contract, though? I was about to. What is it? Two hundred fifty, something like that. It's a ludicrous number. Everyone's saying Russell Wilson got overpaid. How about Deshaun Watson? Can we talk about the two face mask penalties he took? Oh man, they were terrible. Both were awful, awful penalties. Yeah. One was along the sideline where he's running out of bounds. He just decides to grab a face mask and throw the guy further into the bench. Unnecessary. Yeah, blatant penalty. Absolutely unnecessary. And the second one, he's trying to roll out away from pressure. Again, grabs the face mask as he's running away, lets it go. It's a clear face mask. Everyone can see it. He looks unfocused. He looks undisciplined. Uh, He looks just unable to make those Deshaun Watson plays we were used to back back in Houston. Um, he doesn't have a player nearly as good as Deshaun, not Deshaun Watson. Uh, Desha- yes, Deshaun Watson does not have a Deshaun Watson on his team anymore. He doesn't have a player that rivals DeAndre Hopkins in any way. And I think you're seeing how much D-Hop was a factor of Watson's success. I don't think that there's any chance we see that former Deshaun Watson back here um, after the suspension. The problem is, it's also a very run-heavy offense Yeah, for Cleveland. That isn't necessarily the best to unleash a quarterback at his full capacity. So I'll give some I'll give Watson some sympathy there. But yeah, this guy won't this guy's not the same. No, he's, he's not, still terrible. He's not good right now. No. He can't make the plays that, that just should be made. Um so the Steelers end up getting the win. I don't know if I even mentioned that yet. Steelers end up yeah. getting the win. I was wrong. All right. I should have went with my gut. Yeah. But I went with my mind. Yeah. So we were both wrong on this. Steelers, congratulations. The after that TJ Watt um scoop and score, the Browns, I believe, had two different chances, two different drives, and they just stalled out both times. Couldn't move the ball whatsoever. Uh and Joku looks like the best playmaker on that team, and I don't know why he doesn't get the ball more. Uh he did have a fumble in this game, and maybe that's partly the reason. But Yeah, that was towards the end though. Yeah. His catch and runs look really good. Even um, Amari Cooper, like the yeah. only two good pass catchers. I mean, Elijah exactly. Moore is not that. I'm good. not a fan of Elijah Moore. No, Donovan Peoples Jones, no. uninspiring. Yeah, David Bell's very not is not great either. Exactly. So, yeah, the uh, Cleveland offense just looked uh, stuck in neutral for a lot of this game after Chubb went out. Um, he was getting some good runs, man. He had uh, over 50 yards in a quarter of football. He had 10 carries for 64 yards. Si- yeah, 64 yards. That's Really good. So and even after Jerome Ford came in, I mean, he had 16 carries for 106 yards. They the, were running the ball the, well. Yeah, the Browns have no problem running the football. Right. At it, all. It's just, it's that just that the passing, passing offense. Game. They don't have great weapons. Their quarterback's very, well, now, very mediocre to subpar. It is worth noting that he had 106 yards on 16 carries. 70 yards came on one run. Yeah. So you take that out, and now look all of a sudden, you're down to 15 carries uh, for 36 yards, which is just over... It's it's just under two and a half yards per carry. Yeah, that's not which good. Is not good at all. So really, that's true. A- after very Chubb good, went out, very good point, Mitch. Thank you. I I have one of those every now and then. Um, <laughs> it's not often, Jack. But after Chubb went out, the the YPC really went down for Cleveland, and we kind of saw that. I noticed watching this game. I was like, wow, Deshaun Watson was going from third and fours to third and eights after Chubb was out. Um, third and eights, third and well, third and twenties after he face masked some people a couple times yeah it it was really long down in distances not comfortable got him out of rhythm uh because they had a on the drive where chubb got injured like i don't know if you remember that was a long sustained drive yeah it was and i mean the cleveland defense played really well 
Um, yeah, they are one of the best defenses. What was the league. exact final score? I know it 26, was like 26, 22, 22. Yeah. So you take out the 14 scored on defense. Cleveland only allowed 12 points um, to to the uh, offense, and seven of those came. Wait, that math yeah. doesn't add up. No, must have been a missed extra point in there. No, they uh, they went for two they, because they, the Browns got a penalty. Yeah. and put him down at the one yard line, so they went for two and got it. No, yes. they went for two and didn't get it. Oh, okay. Because they handed off to Najee and he got stuffed short. And then two field goals. Yeah. That makes more sense. So they only allowed uh, 12 points off of offensive play. Um, And six or seven of those came on the 70-yard strike to to Pickens, which, you know, take one play out and all of a sudden you're looking at a really good defense for Cleveland here. I mean, yeah. Even if if you don't look at this game, I mean, even if you don't look at it like that, like take out that one play, you leave that one play in, they give up 12 points. Like, it's a really good defense. I'm just saying it takes them from really good to, like, elite, allowing, like, six points. I think 12 points is elite. In the NFL, in this yeah, game, I, I totally where, agree. Where, where I totally rules, agree. Where the rules are tailored to favor the offense in every way, shape, or form. I just think that because it's Pittsburgh, it, and they're not a good offense, I think twelve points is a little. I think it's still very okay. impressive, but it's. I think it takes, like I said, it takes you from really good to elite. Okay. Well, we do have a message from the KOR Notebook, so give me one second. We'll get back to yes, our discussion. From the KOR Community Calendar, the Kutztown LGBTQ Plus Center is proud to put on a show happening Thursday, September 21st at 7 p.m. Entitled COVID Queer Tet, this play is set during the COVID-19 pandemic. The evening takes an ominous turn when four actors begin to examine the artistic works, identities, and legacies of Oscar Wilde, Willa Cather, Jose Saria, and Keith Haring. Free tickets for KU students through KU Presents for campus viewing. This message of community interest is brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. Hour number two of Aviators talking all things NFL. We were going a deep dive into the Steelers and the Browns. 26-22, the Steelers reign victorious over their rivals from Cleveland. The defense did the heavy lifting in this one. Matt Canada, who's a horrific coordinator, probably the worst offensive coordinator in the league. They've got things to figure out. Kenny Pickett still does not look that great. I mean, George yeah. Pickens did all of the work on that touchdown. I mean, George Pickens looks like really the only I mean, he just threw it to a wide-open Pickens, and yeah. Pickens ran it all the way to the end zone. Can I just say this about the Steelers' offense? Stop using Najee Harris so much. No, I think they need to start using Najee Harris to his strengths. I mean, it was so frustrating watching this game because they keep running him to the outside. He's an in-between-the-tackles runner. I need to see more Jalen Warren. Jalen Warren's a great pass-catching back. He's never going to be the in-between-the-tackles guy. It's just never going to happen. He's I too just, small for that. I don't think... I, I think even when they do run it up the middle, it gets stopped every single time. And it's either on a one-yard gain, a one-yard... Exactly, so stop doing it. I think the short passes to the running backs is what they should be doing. I think the running offense for the Steelers should come like as a distant second to the passing. Look, I, I think it is one of the most miserable things I've ever watched, and I am a fan of the Philadelphia Flyers. Despite, so, look, I understand where you're coming from, but you can't just all-out ditch your traditional run game. It just it doesn't happen. It's the National Football League. I know. You become predictable. People will start playing the flats heavy with, with you know them expecting you to dump it off to Jalen Warren. I just think if you use not. Warren in the backfield more for a couple games, see the results. I might be wrong. It just looks like whenever he's on the field, they're gaining yards much faster than when Najee's on the field. Najee just He isn't to, good. Najee's a tough runner. He has to get his yards not easily pretty much every time he touches the ball. There's not a running back I think I feel more bad for in the league. Maybe Damian Pierce is another contender for that. But Najee Harris has no help at all up front. The Sierra's offensive line can get no push. Uh, as terms to a run game. Their interior of the offensive line is dreadful. They stink. 
Um, you know, for all the moves they made in the offseason to try to address this offensive line, none of them have worked out. Their play calling is terrible. It's, you know, all, all so, so bad. It is. They need to get, you know, Matt Cannon needs to go. I'm sorry. He's so I'm, awful. I, I just can't deal with it. Well, we can't fire him and wholesale make changes in the season. You know what? I'm tired. I'm sick and tired of it. I don't really care anymore. Just get him out of here. This offense looks so uninspiring. He's the worst offensive coordinator to grace the Steelers since Todd Haley was there. It was, it, it's just a travesty what's going on in Pittsburgh right now. Yeah, on the offensive side of the ball, absolutely. I Defensively, think they still, they're great. Yeah, they're, they're a really good defensive team, allowing 22 and, and scoring twice. I mean, holy smokes. And considering you're on the field for uh, 81 plays, comparatively to your offense is 53, yep. uh, that, that's pretty good. But again, this is you not know, a recipe was, for success for the rest of the year for the Steelers. If it was Cleveland versus the Steelers' defense, it would still be a one-score game. Yeah. Eight-point difference. So, so would have been twenty two fourteen. Yep, exactly. What an outstanding start! Though. Like we didn't highlight it enough. That pick, oh, to open the game, Smith, that was incredible. To open the game, that was awesome. Aided by a Harrison Bryant drop. Well, but, yes, but what a lightning rod that was, and, and the stadium was electric from that point forward. It was a like for for a game that went on so long. They kept the energy really well all night. I thought. Yeah, Steelers fans know how to represent, man. So. They also know how to really be annoying. One of the best fan bases in football. One of the most annoying fan bases in football. They travel with the best of them. By the way, um, they're incredible. Before we get into week three, did you see the. Uh, what a tragic situation up in uh, up in New England. Oh, I did see that. This with is the fan. horrible. Yeah. I mean, what a disgusting just act of, of anyone to violence. use physical violence, just punching a guy twice, I believe. Um, allegedly, at, at the at a football game, that is not what sports are about. And and I, my heart goes out to to the victim's family. Absolutely, so much. I mean, you you go to a, a sporting event, it's just a, a normal Sunday night, and and you never expect for something like that to happen. And that 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 was deeply troubling. It was disgusting, honestly. Yeah. It was it was absolutely shameful that that kind of stuff happened. Yeah, that night and. It's it should be a wake up call like that. I mean, people need to learn how to act in public. Really, I mean, we're we're really resorting to this level of behavior and doing these kind of things. It's absolutely disgusting. Yeah, it's it's incomprehensible that this stuff happens. Hearing the the panic in the I don't know if you've heard the the nine one one call. Yeah, I think they had to bring out a defibrillator uh, at the at the stadium to try to. Uh, yeah. Uh, I believe they kept him alive till he got to the hospital, if I'm re- remembering the situation correctly. Uh, and that's where he unfortunately perished. But it was – words are just – you know, we, we've talked about it with all the words that I, you know, that I, that I can – There's, there's really to nothing to say that yeah. fully encompasses it. Exactly. Um, other than just our hearts go out to, to his family. Yep. And yep. That, that's just uh, unacceptable behavior for, for anybody. Um, it's it's disgusting. So a little bit of a uh, of a more you know sour sad note, yep. but we will be back for forty more minutes. Um, yeah, we're we've actually exceeded by about two minutes. Yeah, we uh, we will be back for forty more minutes. We're gonna preview NFL Week Three coming up. A lot of great matchups to take a look at. Uh, we will not be talking about the Eagles though, and I'll tell you why on the other side. Heavy hitters, our number two rolling on talking all things NFL. We just wrapped up talking about the two Monday night games between the Saints and the Panthers, and more predominantly, 
uh, I said, did I say the Panthers and the Steelers? I meant the Panthers and the Saints and the Browns and the Steelers, who we spent majority of the time talking about. We got to move on to the week three preview. Jack, my sister doubts me way too much. <laughs> That's so random. But she texted in our group chat, which I named Los Boyos Hermanos. Yes, and her and those my who brother, get it, they get it. <laughs> her and my brother was so confused. I was so upset. I was like, "How do neither of you know what that means?" Well, my sister, I get, but my brother should have known what that meant. Oh my goodness, yeah, yeah. He needs to. He needs to get educated. <laughs> but yeah, um, get get educated, <laughs> pal. Yeah, yeah, so, Michael. She texted us uh, during the last segment. Um, and she asked, how often do you guys think about the Roman Empire? And I told her, like, fully truthfully, uh, I actually, like, it's always been an interest of mine. I'm a history guy, so I actually think about it quite frequently. I text History it. buff Mitchell Smith. I am. Uh, it's one of the early onset signs of Republican. But <laughs> <laughs> we're really going there. Okay, I'm not stealing that joke. That that was from a guy, uh, Shane, you knew his name. Shane Gillis. Shane Gillis. I just watched his, his thing last night. It was so funny. Um, his special on Netflix. But, um... So that's not my joke. That's his. And uh, I told her like five times weekly, like just throughout a number. That's it feels right. I don't know. Roman Empire is fascinating, really fascinating. And she just said uh, that there's absolutely no way that that's true. It is true. Okay, it is most powerful empire in world history. How am I not going to think about that? That's true. Most All right, powerful uh, dynasty, except for the New England Patriots. Let's talk about week three. Thursday night football between the Giants and the 49ers out in San Francisco. And it's gonna I'm be excited ugly. for this game. It's going to be ugly. I'm really excited It for this is going to be ugly. Saquon Barkley officially ruled out for the game. Not surprising. He will not be suiting up for the Giants. That'll mean Matt Breida, the starting running back <laughs> for New York, the former 49er. I Don't have a really that? interesting tidbit on this. Okay. So I'm in a fantasy league. Nick Chubb got hurt. I had him. Right, And this is on top of my Cooper Cup situation and my Week 1 Mark Andrews situation. Right, So my top three picks are not panning out very well. So far, not good. For but so I, I went in and I was like sixth on the waiver wire. And I was like, oh, well, there's no way I'm getting anyone that I want. I didn't get Josh Reynolds. Uh, I didn't get uh, Jerome Ford, right, obviously. And I don't, I don't even remember putting in. I don't think I even looked at Breida, right? And then I check who I got on the waiver wire, and Matt Breida is in my RP2. <laughs> that happened during class today. I was like, what is going on? You got a plan tomorrow night? Um, so I think I'm going to put Zach Moss in instead, and then I think I'm going to put Tank Dell, who you told me is actually named Nathaniel, uh, in my flex. So I don't think Breida will be getting the start for me, just because the San Fran defense is so good. What do you think I should do? Uh, Hargrave is there. It's going to be a know, tough matchup. Bosa. Andrew Thomas, the giant star, left tackle, not going to play in this game more than likely either. Yeah. So You know who is going to be playing? The best player in the league, Christian McCaffrey. He will be running all over you. Are you ready, kids? The Giants are going to get crushed. So <laughs> Yes, they are. They are 10-point uh, dogs. Yeah, the Niners are going to win and cover. Niners are going to cover by two scores. Before we continue our picks, though, last week's record. Oh, yeah. Drum roll, please. I believe we were flip-flopped. We I were. Believe, yeah. Mitch went 9-7. and seven. Yeah, that's and, a wild card spot. And I went 7-9. and nine. Ooh. I was the division-winning Seahawks from like, <laughs> way back when. Nice. Good reference. <laughs> I like that. That was um, that was the— that Didn't was the, the Eagles do that, too, one year recently? Like 2019, uh, maybe? I don't know. 
Maybe that was nine. And I don't seven. think it was seven and nine. Yeah, I think it was nine and seven. Yeah, it was bad. NFC least because they hosted the Saints that year, and that's where the Marshawn Lynch run came from, where he broke. Oh, is like that that four year? tackles oh, and got into man. the end zone? Yeah, when Seattle Look at this run when Seattle upset New Marshawn Orleans at Lynch. home because I think the Saints were like eleven and five that year. That's so funny. And they lost to the seven and nine Seahawks in in the first round of the playoffs. So that's awesome. That was funny, dude. That run is one of my favorite highlights ever. Oh my goodness, yeah, the Beast Quake game, Beast Quake. So, all right, let's keep moving on. We both go with the 49ers um, yeah. in a in a convincing fashion. Yeah, it's going to be dominant. The Giants are injured. It's going to be bad. It yeah. is going to be bad. Well, the offense is injured. I should say. Wah wah wah! I had to do the little Prime Video thing. Oh yeah, you did. So. That's my least favorite one. It's not even close. I like. I don't like the CBS one. What? I do not like it. Oh my goodness! Are you kidding me? It's just. It's weird. No. Oh my goodness! I love the CBS. I don't like the the grandiose. That's a great part of it. It's too whiny for me, and then it just overly aggressive for no reason. I don't know. It's something about it. I like it. You know what? Uh, came- I guess it just strikes back the old NFL. Like, thinking about, like, a big AFC North showdown. Like, I don't like the AFC North. I think it's the most boring division in football. Are you what? I, Steelers, that Browns, is a hot Bengals, take, but I don't Steelers? care. Steelers, Ravens, Browns, and Bengals is mm-hmm. most certainly not the most boring division in football. Boring. the most boring division in football? Saints, Buccaneers, Panthers, uh, and Falcons. Right, yeah. True. Boring. True. Good answer. Lame. There's you know not what, even any good rivalries in that division. You know what theme doesn't get talked about enough? I know it's a different sport, but the uh, Wednesday night hockey on NBC. I think that gets talked about a lot amongst hockey fans because that intro song was electric. Right, but among other sports, you never yeah. hear it talked well, about. Well, just because hockey isn't really that popular. Oh, it's so good, man. So, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I love hockey. I'm excited for Islander season rolling around. But, yeah. Um, Anyways, yeah. off topic, but I'm it sorry. is. All right, let's keep moving on. Not a whole lot of notable games this week that I did for, you know, in-depth previews. Colts going to take on Baltimore. We both have the Ravens convincingly. They're touchdown, yes. they're over a touchdown favorite and as they, they should, should be. be. Yeah. They're going to rock the Colts' world. Baltimore's going to go 3 and 0. Um, By the way, as an unexpected start for me. Speaking of, well, I, I, I mean, they play the Texans Colts. Expected, I yeah. thought I thought they might lose to Cincinnati, so they could be two and one. But. I um I saw that the NFC has a record seven undefeated teams through week two, seven two and zero teams. Wow, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, think about it: Falcons, Buccaneers, Eagles, Cowboys, Forty Niners. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that was that was too synchronized. That was like that. Seattle. No, they're one and one. Uh, L.A. lost. Seattle uh, lost to. Um, ew! Stop doing that. We we are like so in <laughs> sync right now. It is. Oh, wild. Atlanta! Did we say Atlanta yet? Gross. Uh, New Orleans? No, New Orleans. Yeah, yes, New Orleans. Yes, is two and yes, yep. New Orleans. Yeah, three in the There's south. There's three in the south. What is that? <laughs> three in the south. Two in the east. One in the no, west. No uh, Didn't um, Washington? Yeah, Washington's two and zero. That's so weird. <laughs> Wow. Undefeated. Three in the east, three in the south, and uh, one, one in, in the, the west. west. Yeah. That Crazy. means no one in the north. The Giants are one and one or in last. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It's terrible. Yeah. And they were almost 0 2. Yeah. Really almost 0 2. Yeah. It took a cr- incredible second half. Yeah. From Daniel Jones. Moving on. All right. Titans Browns. 
this is actually yeah. the, kind of one of the ones I highlighted. It's a really interesting matchup because what? of the Browns' situation. Yeah, what does the Browns' offense look like without Nick Chubb? They really weren't able to run it that well, except for the big Jerome Ford run after Chubb's uh, injury. We'll see what they look like there. They bring in Kareem Hunt. They're already saying he's going to get snaps in Week 3 just because of his familiarity with the playbook. Uh, it's just like he re-signed there as in, in the offseason, but he's coming back in the early stages of the season. So much of the offensive identity. He held out for two weeks, Jack. Yeah, you got a new deal. <laughs> so, so much of the Take offensive. Notes, Jonathan Taylor. Would you mind? Sorry. Thank you. Too soon? No. Just, I meant you cutting me off. Oh, oh. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> You're good. But I just want to get this point out. I'm sorry. I keep going. So much of the. <laughs> Mitch says something. So much of the. Sorry. Yep. Mitch is deaf, too. It's okay. So much of the offensive identity was built through the rushing attack for Cleveland, built through Nick Chubb. They. You know, they go run first, pass second, right? But now you kind of got to reevaluate that because of Chubb being out for the year. So, you know, they go fully through Jerome Ford and, and Kareem Hunt now. Do we see Watson air it out a little bit more, try to get Amari Cooper more involved? Maybe David Njoku, a target you, you really like? I don't know why they're not using him more. My fantasy team would like that. Me too. Oh, um, I'm going to confirm this before I break it on the air. But I'm getting a text message that, yep, it's confirmed. Seven minutes ago, breaking trade news out of the NFL. Ooh. Cam Akers <gasps> is being dealt from Where? the Los Angeles Big Rams deal. Big deal. to the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, man! In return, oh, yes. 2026 draft picks are being swapped between the two teams as Mitch has emphatically got up. He has Cam Akers on his fantasy team. That's why he's a so A competent excited. offense. Let's yeah, do it. an offense that doesn't love to run the football a lot. So. I don't care. They had the third least rushing attempts last year when they had Dalvin Cook. They're going to change that. So we'll see about all that. Um, but that's that's important, though, because Alex, that holdout, Alex Madison fantasy owners take notes. because Yeah, that's not start, good for you. His starting job is in danger. Yeah. That's, so. ooh, okay. I'm, I was just worried that was going to last for weeks and weeks. I was worried about that. So, yeah, they, they, the most hated running back for some reason in L.A. is gone. Kyron um, Williams, full-time guy there now. Yeah, yeah. I missed out on was, him. If he was out on your waiver wires and you didn't get him, that's a little bit unfortunate. That is me. If you were wise enough to pick him up early, congratulations. You might have just got yourself a league winner. Yeah. In terms of, not just production, he's going to get the volume there, right? He's going to get the, the rushing. You know, he's going to get the chances. volume, and he's good. Yeah, exactly. Notre Dame product. So, yeah. All right. Uh, keep moving on through this Browns and Titans game. Cleveland is rushing attack versus the Titans rushing defense. Which strength wins? Uh, that's the Titans' big defensive strength on the ground. Uh, but can Cleveland take advantage of a Titans secondary that has allowed 610 passing yards and 8.2 yards per pass attempt? That's not factoring in large yards, large yards lost from sacks. Wow. I'm just having a, some trouble today I, with a couple things. Getting them out, you know, get them out cleanly. It's okay, buddy. It, you're looking like uh, trying to think. Uh, Kenny Pickett couldn't think of his name. <laughs> Can't get anything out clean. <laughs> Kenny Pickett, but um, that's a low blow. Kenny Pickett? No, he cannot. Um, but I think this is one of those call to call to action moments for Deshaun Watson. Your, your team's star running back is down. Deshaun for Watson. the season. Can he be Deshaun Watson magical? No. Well, no. Nope. Look, last nope. year he came back from. Quite I, I am not convinced we he's will ever see the Deshaun Watson. Years. We I know I just said it. that. Or two weeks, he's been warming up. And I'm not going to say one word, one way or another. I think it's possible. Do I think it's likely? No. But just 
imagine for a second if Deshaun Watson goes out there, puts the team on his back for a week, decides that David Njoku is good, and has a, a really good passing day. That could be a stepping stone for this Browns team. I think it happens for them. I'm going to give it, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say they beat the Titans. Combination of Ford, Hunt, and Deshaun Watson doing enough. Give me the, give me the Browns. I know we got to run through these. So well, I'm going to agree quick. with you here. Uh, I'm going to go with the Browns as well. They're going to prove to 2-1. They're going to bounce back at home. I like them to do just enough low-scoring game. I would say around 20-17. to 17. Give me the Browns as the edge. All right, we're going to start flying through these a little bit more. Broncos, Dolphins down in Miami. Miami. I don't think there's much to deliberate here. Give me the Dolphins to improve to 3-0. and uh, The Sean Payton Broncos, led Broncos, still trying to search their first when they fall to 0-3, despite the offense looking better than people expected. Even without Jalen Waddle, Miami will cruise. Yeah. I'm interested to see if the Broncos used a rushing attack more in that game. Both teams have, you know, rush defenses that aren't too great. Interested to see how they go about that there. Could be, you would hope. Take some Could be a big week for Wilson. Raheem Mostert, possibly. Yeah. All right. Patriots and Jets in the Meadowlands MetLife Stadium. Patriots, I think, get the win here. There's no way they start 0-3. Mac Jones in this offense, you know, Mac Jones in the passing attack, I should say, has looked better than I thought it would. Uh, I think this is the week they finally push through. They got to win. They improve to one and two. I'm with you. I, I think they have the better quarterback. Uh, Mac Jones is better than Zach Bryan. <laughs> um, Zach Wilson, if you're not familiar. Um, and all around, I think they have just a, a better, de- uh, well, not better defense, but they, they both have good defenses, I should say. They do. Um, the Patriots are a tough team. They are a mentally tough team. Uh and New York is a team that's lost its quarterback for the year and is kind of reeling right now and just got lit up by the Cowboys. So I think that New England, there's no, like you said, there's no way they go 0-3. They're going to play a tight game. Uh, by tight, I mean like mistake-free. They're going to play mistake-free football, solid, rugged football, and and they get a win. You know, not not more than a score, but I think a seven-point win for New England. Yeah, it's going to be a dogfight. going to be a tough game. It's a divisional Hard matchup. Fought, divisional matchup, exactly what you would expect. Uh, the Patriots take it by a field goal. That That's my prediction. All right. One more before we go to break. Bills, Commanders, not too much to deliberate here. We think the Bills are going to win. I, I'm i going to assume you're picking Buffalo, Mitch? Yes. Yeah. So, by quite a margin. Josh Allen. 13 points. Big rebound game last week. I'm going to. I'm not going to say by that much. I'm going to give the Bills by one score, I think. Ooh. Um, I think the Commanders will... F- Howling at the moon. They're six and a half point favorites for Buffalo. I think uh, they'll they'll cover by barely. I think I get the Bills by a touchdown. Riding with Sam Howell to keep it close. So I will. Uh, that offense looked good last week. Brian Robinson Jr. Very good rushing day. Josh Allen bounced back against the Raiders. But we're going with the Bills. All right, we're going to step aside for one final time. When we come back, we will run through the rest of the NFL slate. Uh, give our predictions uh, up through the Sunday night game. We'll see the two Monday night games this week predicting on the Monday show. Uh, so we'll round out our last 20 minutes with that. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you tuned in all the way or just part of the way, um, it's all very much appreciated. But we will be back shortly here on Heavy Hitters and the Radio Voice of Kutztown University, KUR Kutztown. And welcome back into Heavy Hitters. I'm Mitchell Smedley. That's Jack Hyman. I don't know where you pulled that music from, but what was that? Called... Uh, <laughs> It's labeled Epic Intro. It was. It made me feel like I was in a ghost movie. It did. It, did. Yeah. it made me feel like you were about to tell like a paranormal activity yes. to a story on YouTube. Right? That's exactly <laughs> what I felt like when I heard that. <laughs> Especially like the last five seconds yeah, the of it. Doom, doom, 
Yes, exactly. It's exactly what I thought. I was like, oh, so glad we're on the same. We are just operating like in sync together. Yes. Thank you. All right. Didn't leave me hanging. We got some more football to talk about in this last segment. We do. We will save the two, as you mentioned, Monday night football games. That includes the Eagles. So if you're looking for some birds talk, we'll get there on Monday. We got to talk some more teams, including the Falcons, who we'll get to. Uh, I know someone specific is anticipating that quite heavily. Well, nice segue because that's the next game up. We got the Falcons traveling to Ford Field to take on the reeling Detroit Lions. They are so hurt right now. Yeah. C.J. Gardner-Johnson on IR and could possibly miss the rest of the season with that's the tech so injury. That's so unfortunate. He looked so good. He did. He's a great player. Watched him up close and personal last year. C.J.G.J. A lot of injuries for, for, for Detroit. Taylor Decker, offensive tackle, ankle injury, did not practice Wednesday. David uh, they Montgomery. actually did get some positive news on him a oh, little did bit. They? On Decker? Uh, yeah. Nice. Kirby Joseph did not practice with a hip injury. David Montgomery dealing with his thigh injury. Did not practice. Emmanuel Mosey, another defensive back, knee and hamstring. Did not practice on Wednesday. Armand Rossi and Brown dealing with a toe ailment. We'll see uh, what his status is. I believe he will play this week. Um, and then Vitae. I, I'm not even going to try to say that first name. Halapulavati. It's Halapulavati Vitae. Halapulavati Vitae. Yep, that had to hear that like one for years. Tongue twister. Yep. Halapulavati Vitae. Knee injury. Did not practice on Wednesday. I think some of these guys are going to play. Josh Reynolds was also limited practice with a groin injury. Yeah, I did see that. That 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 hurt me. So going with the information we have available, it would be logical to pick Atlanta, right? Yes. Well, I'm not gonna. Oh man. Detroit. The Lions are going to win. They're going to be two and one. I think some of those guys on the injury report will play. Uh, I think Montgomery's going to be out. I think uh, Decker's probably not going to play. Uh, but I think Amonara's going to go. I think Kirby Joseph could be a go. We'll see. Uh, but I think at least maybe one or two of those guys is going to go, and I think it'll be enough. Josh Reynolds, I think, will be good to go, too, despite limited today. I think he'll be fine for, for Sunday. Give me the Lions to win. It's going to be a tight game. Uh, tough defense there in Atlanta from the early showings against a couple of uncapable, in my mind, offenses. Um you know, they played the Panthers and they played the Packers, two offenses that I'm not overly in love with. In terms of their wide receiver rooms, I think if Amon and Reynolds are playing, they can cause some problems along with Sam Laporta, Jameer Gibbs. I like the weapons a lot more for the Lions. They haven't faced a room like this yet this season. Big test for them. Give me Detroit to win. Yeah, overcome so their defensive injuries. This is a this is a rough one because they are so injured. If they were not injured, I'd be picking the Lions like I, you know, was planning on doing. Uh, but when the injuries started piling up, Reynolds, Amon-Ra, um, you know, that Montgomery thing, you know, when they started piling up, I just I had to take a step back. And here's here's my thoughts on this game. If Amon-Ra and Reynolds play and are, and are like, healthy, healthy, like they're good, uh, Lion, it's not close. I think the Lions' offense is much better than Atlanta's, and they just cruise uh, to the tune of about a 10-point victory. If, however, only one of them plays, I think the game could go either way. I think that allows the defense to put so much more attention on that one guy, whoever it is. And if neither of them play, I really don't see Detroit overcoming those defensive injuries with any sort of offense outside of Jameer Gibbs. Uh, look for Craig Reynolds, by the way. KU zone. Yeah, Kutztown graduate. Um, he's the third string running back, now the second string with the Montgomery injury. So look for him to be a, a bigger piece of the game. Something for the Golden Bears to watch. But... For me, it depends on those wide receiver injuries. That's the matchup I'm looking at um, for Detroit to be able to muster some offense, keep up with Atlanta. Uh, with all of these injuries, though, the current state, just my feel on this, 
I'm going to go against what I've thought up until this moment, and I'm going to pick Atlanta um, just with the information available to me. I feel like even if some of these Detroit guys play, they're not going to be 100%. Give me the Falcons to, ugh, I'm going to regret saying this, start 3-0. and oh. Ew. Yeah, I don't like that. I couldn't pull myself to do it, so that's why I picked the Lions. I know. All right. Final three 1 o'clock games are going to go pretty quickly through two of those. Uh, but we're going to take a little bit longer. Saints and Packers, two offenses who have struggled a little bit to start the season. Um, but I'm looking at the I'm looking at Green Bay to get a win here. Uh, I'm going to go with the Packers, and I'm going Green Bay because the rushing attack crushed them last week down in Atlanta. Bijan Robinson had a huge game. Yep, they don't have that type of back with the Saints. Uh, Jamal Williams not going to be playing. Alvin Kamara out final week serving a suspension. So it's going to be what Tony Jones, maybe Kendry Miller. I can't bank on one of those two guys having a big game. And Derek Carr didn't look all that great last week against Carolina. So I'm going to go the Packers to do enough at home and get a win. I like that. I I think the rushing thing you mentioned is very accurate. Um, And I I just think that these are, uh, you know, two okay teams. Not really that good. Uh, I think over the course of a season, New Orleans will be better. Uh, but I, I don't like the matchup for them this week, so I will yeah. join you in the Atlanta pick. Or not, ooh, God, twice? Uh, they're getting two wins this week. I will join you in the Green Bay pick. All right, Texans traveling to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars. Jacksonville's going to win. Not close. Not close. Bounce back game for Trevor Lawrence. I need Travis Etienne to be the man for the rest of the season. Oh, man, this is not comfortable. Uh, I don't know if I dropped Zay Jones or not, but he's on the chopping block for me. And Calvin Ridley looked for him to bounce back as well. I think it's just an all-around bounce-back week. They got really shut down by the Chiefs. Uh, yeah, give me give me Jacksonville. Bounce-back performance. Prime bounce-back opportunity. Yeah, the, the Houston Texans are not good. All right, Chargers at Vikings. Probably one of the most intriguing 1 o'clock games. Um, I'm going to go with Minnesota in the battle of the 0-2s to get their first win. Austin Eckler, I don't think, is going to play in this game for the Chargers. And I'm not sure Joshua Kelly's the most prime candidate to take advantage of I think a, he's good, man. I think he's good. He's good, but he's not... I mean, if Eckler was there, I'd go with the Chargers. That's the difference for me. It, Kelly's good enough, but is he going to be a guy to tear apart the Vikings' defense? I don't think he's good as DeAndre Swift is. I think he's comparable in, in some ways. In I, some I, ways. I also think that the Vikings' defense is just so bad that Justin Herbert's going to have a big day passing the football. Uh, I'm going to take a chance. I don't the think Vikings the difference in this game is a running back. The Vikings are at home. I think they'll be able to get enough big plays against this Chargers defense because the Titans were able to, through the air, uh, get a couple. And if that receiver room is going to get a couple... What is Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, KJ Osborne, and the likes, along with TJ Hawkinson, going to do? So I don't know. I think it's a really offensive game. I think it's going to be a shootout, but I get the I I like the Vikings. I don't see I don't foresee a world where the Vikings start zero three. Did you see a world where the Chargers did? I do now. I don't love Brandon Staley as a coach. I don't think he's a good coach. I don't either. I think he's going to be fired by season's end. If not sooner. I just think the talent on the Chargers. The talent's there, but the coaching's just not. Sometimes this is going to be this one of those weeks team, where This talent, is a team who finds new ways to lose games every single week. This is going to I'm be, not putting my faith in that. This team, or this week, is going to be one of those where the talent just takes over. They have the better quarterback. Both teams have good receivers. Uh, neither team blows you away with their rushing attack. 
as wait, it currently wait, who is. Who did you say is the better receivers? Uh, I said they both have good receivers. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, thought, I thought I thought you said the Chargers. I'm like, whoa, hold up there, bud. Well, Minnesota has the best, and then Chargers have two and three, and then Addison's four. You think? Okay. Yeah, it's fair. So yeah, I think it's comparable receiver rooms. Would you rather have the second and third or the first and fourth? You know, it's first and fourth in this situation because Justin Jefferson is miles better than Keenan yeah, Allen, and Keenan Allen's still very good, but Justin Jefferson is just that good. Yeah. Um. All right. We're going to get a message from the KR Notebook first, and then we're going to wrap it up. Uh, Attention KU students. Have you heard about KU Bears grant funding? The purpose of the KU Bears program is to support faculty, student, research pairs over the summer. The goals are for undergraduate students to develop the necessary skill set to become student researchers and to provide faculty members with paid student research assistance. Undergraduate students selected for the program will receive summer pay for research tasks assigned by a faculty supervisor. By assisting faculty members in their research, students selected for the program will obtain the knowledge and skills necessary for conducting advanced research in their field. To apply and learn more about KU Bears grant funding, please visit www.kutztown.edu slash UGRC and look under grants and sponsored projects. This message of community interest is brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. All right, we're back. We differed in our picks in the Chargers and the Vikings. I went to Minnesota. I think that offense is going to be able to do enough against that defense and... I was inspired how they didn't, like, they gave it the big pass plays last week, right? But they didn't get hurt in, like, the intermediate passing game against the Eagles. No, they just got gashed in the deep passes and the runs. Yeah. You know, they, but they like, really didn't really use the intermediate passing game that much. <laughs> yeah. I don't so know. That's I'm, why they didn't get hurt. I'm, in I'm it. taking a chance. <laughs> I'm I taking, know you are. I'm taking a chance on it's a bad defense. It's battling the 0 2s, man. We don't know what's going to happen. I'm taking a chance on a bad defense, yeah. but a really good offense. I don't know what the over under is in this game. I would have the over. The over is going <laughs> to cruise. Yeah. It is going to cruise. 37-34 the final. Give me the Vikings. You know what? It's it's even right now. It's a pick em. That's how close it is. Is it? It's a pick em. That is, I'm looking at on ESPN. Wow. <laughs> so, give me Minnesota. Yeah, give me the Chargers. All right. This is going to be fun. I like this one. Yes, this I like is a fun one. On this. By the way, uh, thank you, Chris. Uh, I picked your Falcons, and he said, I knew you were a smart sports analyst. So, so I appreciate that, buddy. Well, Chris. And I, I did lead him on. I, I did hype up that I was going to pick the Lions like all week. I'm sorry. Chris, so, I, going, I, had to go, I had to go Detroit uh, just because I can't wrap my mind around the Falcons starting 3-0. It just it doesn't seem probable doesn't with Desmond Ritter. Right. Yeah. With Desmond, Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter is going to be 3-0. He, like, he's running this show and he should get none of the credit. He, he should get absolutely none of the credit. Bijan Robinson and that defense are carrying. Yeah. All right. Four o'clock games, three of them. Two, I don't think are going to be particularly close. Actually, I don't think any of these are There's going to be particularly close. There's only three four o'clock games? Yeah. That feels light for a full slate. It does. I it guess is. there are the two and I don't like Monday it. nights, but still. Panthers at the Seahawks. I have Seattle. Boring. I don't think it's going to be close. No. I think they're going to route them. Yeah. Cowboys, Cardinals. Cowboys. Cowboys. By a million. I really wanted to pick the Cardinals this week. <laughs> I thought about it for like two minutes. Stop. I was like, is there, I was like can I make Please a stop. case? Can I make a case? Please stop. I know. All right. Final game at the 4 Marquise o'clock Brown, slate. man. Bears <laughs> at the Chiefs. The Bears offense. Oh, boy. It's a nightmare. Chiefs win. Not even close. Yeah. The Chiefs and Travis Kelsey are going to shake Chicago off like a bad case of fleas. <laughs> That's great. You weren't expecting that, Absolutely were you? not. But Mitch, I was not expecting that at all. By the way, update. Jason Kelsey on the morning show of uh, Philadelphia's sports uh, talk sh- channel, WIP. Uh, Jason Kelsey, brother of Travis, did confirm that Travis and Taylor Swift are dating. 
Really? Yes. Did you not hear this? No. Oh, man. Yeah, he said it. Wow. Uh, yeah. Good for Travis, man. I know. Well, best of luck to them. Yeah, man. That's Because they're going to be dealing with a lot of... Uh, yeah. By the way, I, I need a night where I'm free to watch the Kelsey documentary. So do I. I. We should watch it together one night. We could. We should watch it in the studio one day here. Between classes or something. Or yeah. after classes. That'd be cool. Yeah. Kelsey. All right. Super excited for that. But, yeah, we got the Chiefs. The four o'clock window is going to be awful this week. <laughs> Final game, the Sunday night game, not going to be much better. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, yay. Just when everyone wanted more incompetency on national television. <laughs> that, that's not where it ends. Fantastic. Traveling to take on the Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, it's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> Two of the worst offenses to start the year in the NFL. Is Devontae Adams play? Go toe-to-toe. I think Adams is going to suit up. Thank The problem is the Raiders can't run the football for the life of them. Josh Dude, Jacobs. Josh Jacobs finished with negative yards last <laughs> Negative week. two yards on the, the ground for Josh Jacobs. The rushing leader from last year finished with negative yards I was saying fade week. him all year. I was fading him in every fantasy football draft. I'm I was too. I, I knew he wasn't going to be the number one running back. I thought he was still going to be good. I did not pick him in any league, though, just because I... You know, the situation never called for it. Yeah. And thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, thank goodness. My good, I should I should be trying to trade for him. <laughs> I would not. Not with that offensive um, line. I don't know if you noticed, but I'm kind of out of options at running back. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. I'm a little You're out of wrong. You're out of options? I'm going to have to start A.J. Dillon and Tank Bigsby this week at running back, Mitch. <laughs> not fun. Austin Eckler and, and David Montgomery Jack, are both leaning towards being out. I am done at running back. The rest you of the team is going to have to carry. You have no idea how much better you made my day when you told me that on the phone today. Yeah. It, Mitch, it's terrible. It is not good. You think you're in a bad situation? At least you have ETN. I have nothing. Hey, it could be worse. You could be bald and have a big nose. <laughs> All right, let's preview this game. Steelers-Raiders. Again, like we mentioned, two of the worst offenses in football to start the year. Uh, the Steelers have scored 19 points in two games, and the Raiders have, I believe, scored 29. No, 27. 27. Seven, 17 and 10. So two of the worst scoring offenses in football <laughs> are going toe-to-toe. In primetime, wow. Uh, you know what? Give me the Steelers to win. Give me the Steelers to win. The defense is going to shut it down. I think the offense will do enough to get out of there with a win. I don't like the Josh McDaniels offense, although Devontae Adams could really torch the Steelers' secondary. Yeah, there's we'll a real if- receiver on the other side and a real running back. I think I think Jacobs has a bounce back week this week. I don't. I don't think. I think Garoppolo does well. I think the Browns' offensive line is huge in why they ran it so well. I mean, of course, Nick Chubb's. He's a beast. You saw they didn't run it well. And the only time they did was on a broken play. No. Post-Nick Chubb, yes. But yes. That's what I'm saying. Nick but Chubb I, but, but, was, but the Raiders' offensive line is nowhere near as good as the Browns. I, I don't care. So There's a competent receiver. Give me the Steelers A really win. competent running back. Uh, give me the Raiders. The Raiders. I love saying that. Steelers to win. I think that pass rush is going to cause some problems. I think T.J. Watt, Alex Highsmith is going to get home. Could be. Make Jimmy G feel I just don't want to agree on everything. So, so I mean, yeah, of course, we don't want to agree on everything. Got to have some, but the slate feels very. It's such a very the, the one o'clock slate is kind of okay, actually. One o'clock slate's good. I think the Falcons game is awful. good. I think the Vikings game is good. I think the Pats Jets game's Pats, good. Pats Jets is good. Yep. I think Bills Commanders is an underrated game. Could be. Could end up being one. I hope not. I hope the Bills just route them. All right. Any last thoughts about the Sunday night game? Um, it's going to be low scoring. I, I will. The, I think the Steelers are going to win it twenty-one. Oh, not that many. 
Yeah, they're going to put up 21. No. We did go over 20. 17 13. 21 17. The Steelers get a hard fought win over the Raiders. They improved to 2 Oh, we two both have the Raiders getting 17 points. Yeah. 17 13. I got 21 17. Raiders. Pittsburgh draws it out. I think Kenny Pickett is a better game than he's, you know, shown through the first two. They I think win. all of us can agree, though. None of us will be waiting all day for Sunday night. Not this week, no. Well, actually, <laughs> no. I will, but will no you? one else. All right. Oh, yeah, because you're a Steelers fan, apparently. 20 seconds to go. That Thanks is for listening, for everybody. Us. Yes, thank you for listening to the show. Uh, have a great rest of your week. Enjoy Thursday night football between the Giants and Niners. It's going to be terrible, more than likely. Uh, but have a great rest of your weekend. Enjoy some primetime college football games. A lot of marquee matches to look forward to. Enjoy your NFL Sunday. We'll be right back here on Monday, breaking down those games and previewing Monday night football on KUR Heavy Hitters. That'll do it till next week. Thank you for tuning in.